Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, Sean Gaby here with the Supernatural Leadership Podcast, talking about the difference between principle-led leadership and presence-led leadership. We all have a leader within. Why not make that leader a little more supernatural? Enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome again to another Supernatural Leadership Podcast episode. My name is Sean Gaby. Thank you so much for stopping by. Don't forget to review, subscribe if you haven't already, share it with your friends, give it a little high rating if you're enjoying it, and let us know how these episodes are impacting your leadership, especially in the marketplace, how your leadership is becoming a little more supernatural day after day. Today, we have a very special guest I'm super excited to chat with, and her name is Andy Andrew, and I'm going to read a little bit of her bio to give you a little bit of a glimpse into who she is. She is the author of She is Free, Fake or Follower, and Friendship, It's Complicated. She's also the founding pastor of Liberty Church, a multi-site church she pioneered with her husband, Paul, in 2010. In 2015, she launched She is Free, initially a New York City-based conference, and now a movement that exists to engage and equip women to encounter God and expand the kingdom in their spheres of influence. In January 2022, Paul and Andy knew their assignment in New York City had come to a close. They passed on the baton to new leadership, and it's going really well. Now, based in Charleston, South Carolina, planted a Seacoast church, Andy's life will continue to be focused on raising her four kids, writing books, creating for her podcast, Coffee with Andrew, which I would encourage you to check out, and traveling to invest in churches and lives around the world. Welcome, Andy. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. It's so good to see you, even though, you know, it's via a screen. <laughs> so good to see you too. I know you've been in a crazy transition. In fact, you know, we had you speak on one of our Sundays online when we were only online yeah. as a church community uh, for kingdom culture. And you spoke about transition actually. I did. <laughs> and within, I don't know how many months later of the same year, I don't remember. I think it must've been the same year. Cause it was, or it was it last year you moved or this year you moved? It was the beginning of this year that we moved. Okay. So yeah. within six months after your Seriously. message to us about transition, you transitioned <laughs> a big I one, know. right? Yeah. A big one. And it's so funny because that message has been really speaking to me mainly about just like the massive transition that we're spiritually seeing amongst the church, amongst the nations. Yeah. And, and then God just made it deeply personal for us. And we transitioned the church in our whole lives. And who would have ever thought that I would live in the South? I had no idea. None, wow. But here we are. <laughs> why? Cause you feel like you're a New York city girl. Is that why? Well, no, it's funny when people are like, where are you from? I'm like, like family of origin or cause I mean, I was born and raised in the Northwest in Spokane, Washington, met, married my husband in Sydney, lived in New York now live in the South. And I'm like, I mean, I'm from, from heaven, I guess. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yes, that's true. You were originated yeah. in heaven. That's originated very true. There in God's thoughts. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that's awesome. No, I know. I know you're, you're a powerful, you know, powerful leader. Um, I know that my wife has been to one of your events yeah. that you, you know, you put on frequently called she is free in New York city yep. and went down with a crew of people and super impacted even, you know, one of the key relationships that she had brought with her to that event, she has bonded incredibly with and wow. still super connected with. And it's those moments like that, that really, I think bond friendship when you have spiritual yeah. experience together it's true. it really has an ability to really connect and so thank you for being awesome and you you know you've done amazing things and 
just appreciate your gifts, appreciate your, your mm-hmm. leadership. And I know we haven't had a lot of interaction, but uh, I, I know I remember the first time I met you, I think I, first time I met you yeah. was uh, well, through mutual friends, Caleb and yeah, Julie Davidson. Caleb and Julie, yeah. Yeah. And I think it was, we went to an event you were speaking at. I don't think I'd ever heard you speak. And you prophesied over Caleb and I, and Caleb yes. over and I, and Julie and yeah. Michelle, yeah. and the four of us. And just really powerful. I went out for dinner that night and chatted. And yeah, it's just great to connect with you and hear all that, that God is doing through you. And I know you're prophetic. I know you have an incredible prophetic gift on your life. And, uh, and we're talking about supernatural yeah. leadership on this, this. podcast. <laughs> so I'm excited to dive in. So tell us a little bit about your supernatural leadership journey. Like, you know, yeah. you've probably always been a, a good leader, but where, where along the journey did the supernatural become sort of more important when it comes to your leadership? I, th- I love that question. And it's interesting because I almost go back to the origin of me finding Christ in 1998. Would you believe that? So I'm like, gosh, how old am I in Jesus now? Um, <laughs> but I remember just going back to that space and place and how it was almost like right away. One of the the biggest things that I learned is I, I fell in love. Like I couldn't believe the love that I received and I fell in love. And one of the things I learned right away was just this radical obedience to that nudge that God gives you. And, and I don't know, it was kind of intuitive. And I, I, that's the only way I can put it from the time that I started to follow Jesus. And then I looked back and went, I think that was always there. It was the thread of how the Holy spirit was kind of always near speaking to me. Um, but then I started to really act on it in a different way. Um, for me, one of the main ways, and, and I know that this isn't maybe true for everybody, but God really speaks to me through dreams very often. So I I do love to teach on that because a lot of times people are like, Oh, that's a little bit bit woo woo, like, you know, dream. I'm like, no, but dreams are in the old and the new Testament. I mean, I even, I even look at how Jesus was rescued by his earthly father, Joseph, by the multiple dreams and visitations of angels that, um, saved his life. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So I look at that and, and so from a time, the time I was very young, um, I've learned how to pay attention to my dreams. And I know that maybe this is a different track than, um, you thought we would go down, but the first one, like I said, would be that radical obedience to that nudge of the Holy spirit. When you're reading the word and it comes alive to you, when the Holy spirit just nudges you and speaks to you, don't wait 10 days, like do it right then and there. And I think that that's something that I learned so that I don't need to be, um, moved by bit and bridle, but by just this nudge of the Holy spirit. Yeah. Um, and so then there was that, but then also the dreams, uh, it's, it's really interesting to realize that from the time I was a little girl, I was a dreamer, but now I have recently begun to like keep logs on my dreams. And I have a group of people that I even bounce them off of. I mean, when my husband and I lived in Australia, I had this dream. We only had one child at the time we have four now, but I had one child who was six months old and in the dream, my husband and I were on a subway and I could see the back of three children that looked like stair steps. And we were on a subway on the way home from a church that we had planted. And I woke up and I said, I think we're going to plant a church in New York one day. He's like, that's weird. And, and so we kind of just put it on the shelf and then fast forward, I give birth to my third child. And I remember sitting with her in the middle of the night and the Holy spirit saying, by the time she's two years old, 
your life will look completely different. You will not live in this land anymore. And she was, um, gosh, she turned two in August of the year that we moved there. And so I, it's those little things where, um, you know, like I say, there are multiple types of dreams and I want to share this with people because there may be some dreamers out there that are like, oh my gosh. Okay. Some dreams are truly, truly just your brain processing the day. If you're watching a TV show and Brad Pitt is in your dream, cause he was on the show. Like you're, you have probably not a future with Brad Pitt. Okay. Um, but <laughs> yeah, say it again for those in the back that need to hear that one. Absolutely. Cause stuff like you just have to realize your brain literally processes things while you dream. And sometimes that is what it is. And then there's demonic dreams where we are, you feel like you have gone to war in the middle of the night and the enemy has tried to release assignment against you while you're sleeping. So what, what is handy about that? And what is a pro not a con about that, even though nightmares and demonic dreams are horrendous, they actually show the hand of the enemy. So they show you how to pray. They show you what to lean into. They show you where he may want to steal, kill, and destroy. And then I find that you have those God dreams, those prophetic dreams that can either be warning dreams. Um, and I love to hate those ones, but I am so appreciative when the warning dreams come, um, you can have foresight dreams, like dreams that are literally about possibly the future and shows you how to pray. Doesn't mean you gotta, you gotta take Joseph to note in the, um, old Testament, he shared his dreams too soon. And some of us, we're not supposed to share them. We're supposed to ponder them in our heart. We're supposed to pray about them. And maybe you have a spouse or a friend that you can share that with, but, um, just don't go posting it if it's not time to post it yet. Um, but sometimes there are prophetic intercession dreams, or you see something that's going on in a nation or for a church or for a person. Again, you got to ask God, am I supposed to share that with that person? Or am I just supposed to pray for them? Cause it kind of can be weird too. And you're like, I got a dream about you last night. And it's like, wow, ask for discernment. Maybe you're yes. not going to share that. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. And so there's many ways. I mean, there's more to it. I'm sure I'm forgetting some part of it because it's such a, a wide thing, but I would just encourage people, whether you're in the marketplace or in church leadership, wherever you're leading, if this is a way where you're like, wow, God has like, I've kind of always had dreams, very vivid dreams. I remember them. So my husband, he'll maybe have like three killer dreams a year. I dream almost every night. So, so just realizing, like I started to write them down year date. There's some of them that I'll send away to a group of people. I think you, um, you interviewed my sister-in-law, Jesse green. one Yes. Time. And I didn't Her. even know she was your sister-in-law. Yeah, Actually, I had no idea the connection until like <laughs> after the fact. So she's one of my girls as in that, and my mom, um, that I would send dreams away to for discernment, deciphering. Cause they'll say pretty hardcore stuff where I'm like, um, so like I said, there's the prophetic dreams. And then one more that I would mention is those heart dreams where God is going, yeah. Oh, I'm revealing something to you that you need to work on, like where you need to repent, where you have issues, where you need yeah. healing. And so pay, pay attention to those things. It's a pretty wild and gracious thing that the Lord would speak to us while we sleep at night. Um, sometimes, um, and I still wake up refreshed, like, unless it's one of the demonic dreams, I don't wake up refreshed, but <laughs> now, right. like I still pretty much sleep and it's just a vivid world that I'm often in. Um, so I pay attention to that, but that's the supernatural that really, even where we are today, um, I don't feel led to share the depth of the dream, but even the house that we're in and the place where we had planted ourselves at Seacoast, God reminded me after we moved that in 2016, he gave me a dream about wow. this house. And when I looked at it, I went, 
oh my gosh, you led us here. Mm. And, And so it was just good to go back and remember his faithfulness and how he's always leaving things for us to see his goodness. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm a dreamer myself. So you, you want to open yeah. that can, I can talk about Ooh, dreams fun. all day long. I love, <laughs> I love dreams. Actually, I was just teaching a course this week on dreams. Oh, that's, that's coming so cool. out. That's coming out hopefully in the summer. So I, 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 this is the way that God communicates to me. And I think that, you know, you, yeah. you mentioned dreams for you, making your leadership more supernatural. This mm-hmm. is what made Daniel's leadership real supernatural. Yes. Daniel was an overseer of the people that would interpret things of the dream nature, enigmas and dark sayings and riddles and things that the king and the people around him did not understand. He was like the guy over all of them too. It says that he was 10 (laughs) times better in Daniel chapter one than all the other people in his realm. And he was overseeing like the new agers, like literally the astrologers, the the soothsayers, the the magicians of the day. And, And he had this understanding of the fact that dreams were a huge part of what makes a supernatural leader. And so, yeah, I, I appreciate That's that. That's cool. I love I, I, I want to so hear your that. course. I want to, I appreciate I, that. I was just sharing actually too, like for those that are, are listening here, like, you know, sometimes I, I, I think too, that God will speak to us in a dream about things that maybe don't even have a lot of benefit other than the fact that he loves being in the details of our lives. Cause I yes. had this, I was sharing this dream in one of my courses that, um, uh, that I had years ago where uh, I, I had purchased this. It's really a weird dream, but I had purchased this <laughs> drum cage mm-hmm. for our church at the time from this music store called Steve's music store. Mm-hmm. And I, they had told me when I purchased it, it was going to take months and months. And I was like, Oh, it's not good. I need it like really quick. And so whatever, I, I went my way. And I think about a few weeks later, I was actually in Kentucky, like in the natural, not in the dream, but I was in Kentucky. Yeah. And in that time frame, because you mentioned the whole Brad Pitt, like in the, you know, if you have a dream about something, it doesn't mean it's literal. Right. But then there are yeah. those moments where they're literal, but you got to pay attention to the symbols in the dream. Cause if the symbols in your dream, so good. Are all literal symbols in your actual life, then there's a chance that that dream could be literal. And so at that time I had one of those old silver Samsung flip phones. Like that was the <laughs> phone I had. This was like years ago. I think it was like in 2000 and five or, or 2007. Yeah, that sounds about right. 2007. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I had this, this old silver Samsung flip phone. And so in the dream, okay, I'm dreaming in the dream that, st- that my phone, my Samsung silver flip phone rings is in the dream. And I flip it open. And on the caller ID, it said Steve's music store. And so I pick up the phone and they're like, Hey, Sean, this is Steve's music star. And they're like, just want to let you know your drum cage came in early. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Wow. Thank you. Hang up the phone. So I'm, this is the dream. Now I wake up in the natural. Like I actually wake up hearing my silver Samsung phone ringing. No. It wakes me up out of the dream that I was in about the Samsung flip phone. And I open the phone and on the ID, it says Steve's music store. And I say, hello, this is in the morning. This is like nine in the morning or something. Uh, and they say, hi, this is uh, Steve's Music Store. I just want to let you know your drum cage is in early. Stop, stop. And it. I'm like, what? And I literally, they woke <sighs> me up out of the dream I just had. So I hung up the phone and I'm like, that was really odd. Like, I don't feel like it's profound. I don't feel like it's it's necessarily, it wasn't necessary almost. It's like, what yeah. was the necessity? But it made me feel like God just cares about what yeah. I care about. And God is oh. in the details. And even those dreams, when they happen, 
I leave in almost more encouraged sometimes <laughs> yeah. than when it's like this crazy, profound, wild, more mind blowing dream, because I feel the almost like the humanity level of like relationship yeah. with God in those yeah. moments where he's just giving me information. That's insight. so awesome. Can I share one little, yeah, you just go made ahead. Me think of one too, of a little detail like that. I remember when I was like, just in the middle of a struggle, like a really difficult time, uh, relationally actually. And only like a, like my mom and dad are like intercessors for us. And, and, um, they lived upstairs at the time and I took a nap, good old nap. Cause sometimes that's all you need. And in the nap, um, there, it was dark and I was on this Hill and there was like darkness and threats all around me. And in the dream, my dad walks up to me and lifts, like puts out his hand to pull me up and hold me. And I wake up to a text from my dad that says, I've been interceding for you. And I was like, dad, your intercession was so powerful. You showed up in my dream. Like, you know what I mean? But like you said, it's like those little details where the Lord is like, I'm with you. I'm moving and, um, I'm speaking to you. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's so cool. That's super cool. And I know that like, this wasn't really part of the plan no. <laughs> to chat through, but it, it's awesome. And I, I think it's important. And if there was ever a time we need to pay attention to dreams, mm-hmm. it's in seasons like this, when it's just hard, we need to yeah. find input and direction from the one True. that's created us and is the one who gives us the dream. And so let me just shift it for a second. Yeah. And I, I want to pivot this because I actually think it really segues into what I feel we, we want to talk about today is I know for me, when it comes to dreams, and I'm going to assume, I'm going to make an assumption for you probably too, that your dream life is part of the guidance that actually helps you navigate relational stuff. Mm -hmm. It helps you, maybe it warns you about some of the key relationships you should maybe cut ties with. Maybe it warns you about things that are about to happen in key relationships so you can embrace it or pray through it. Maybe it's a warning that you pray through. I know for me, mm-hmm. I can tell you hundreds of stories of, I asked my wife, I mean, there was a, there was a time in my life where like we went through a season of loss back in 2013 with mm-hmm. our church community. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, it, probably 95% of everything that happened when it came to loss with people, I dreamt about it six months ahead of time, three months ahead of time, two yeah. months ahead of time, which I was thankful because in those moments, it could be so painful. Mm-hmm. And yet I was able to embrace and pray and position myself to almost handle the outcomes before they happened because I had the insight through a dream. Yeah. So I know you wrote a book called friendship. It's complicated. <laughs> yeah. And it's all about, I like, it's all about really navigating the hurt, the, the pain, the fear, the vulnerability of relationships. And so yeah. talk to me a little bit about first of all, that book, and then mm-hmm. talk about maybe how, how has dreams since we've on this Ooh, subject it. played mm-hmm. a role in helping you navigate some of those relational things that I you're talking that about so much. Yeah. Well, this book was a book, honestly, that I needed about five or six years ago. And I think that that's where the Lord just really started to heal me and walk me through this. Cause whether you're, I mean, this is a supernatural leadership podcast. So all of you leading in some sphere of influence in some way, shape or form know that the way that we lead is with people. And so, um, that was really difficult being a pastor and leader. Um, and then really wanting to make friends and do that well. And realizing that a lot of my relationships were just burning to the ground around me. And this, like, like I said, it was about five or six years ago. And there was this moment of radical ownership where I wanted to just blame everybody else for 
why things were happening. And li- listen, there's always two sides to every story. It takes two to right. tango in a relationship. We know that, but right. the truth is the Holy spirit just said to me, Hey, Andy, you are the common denominator in every relationship you're in. And I was like, I would like you to not speak to me like that because, <laughs> you know, the truth is what, what does that mean? It means I have the authority to take care of the state of my own heart, the way that I'm going to show up to relationships, how healed I'm going to be or not, how, and, and, and how I'm going to project or what lens will I wear when I show up to relationships? Cause a lot of times the way that we show up to relationships is obviously with our family of origin, our brokenness, the, our experiences that we've, we've had up to date instead of the lens of the gospel and how right. Jesus wants us to move through these relationships and actually give us new experiences. I mean, this whole book truly is about risk. Like, um, well you know, being able to walk in healing, take radical ownership of that, do the work with God and then risk to step out there again. I mean, I'm in a new season here in Charleston and it's like, I feel like the new kid at school again, who is starting all over with friendships and relationships. Yes. I have those special ones that I will always have, but they don't live in the city with me. And so, um, that's really why I wrote the book. I mean, it's in two parts. It's about, like I said, that ownership, walking in healing, and then doing the work and being intentional in creating and building relationships with those around you. So how did dreams come into play with that? My goodness, that's so good. Cause you know, like I have like popcorn, a whole bunch of like different dreams and things that, that came into play. I remember one in particular, and it was a warning dream. And it was, again, it's like, I have these lucid dreams where, um, I take a day nap, I guess, but I remember I took this nap and we lived in an apartment at the time that, um, had floor to ceiling windows, um, in the living room and in the dream, this, it was beautiful outside. And then all of this, and this tempest came, this wild storm came and then it passed and, and it was gone and it was peaceful and it was quick. And I woke up and there was a few different, you know, you know, those people in your world where you're like, Oh, like your discernment is telling you like, pay attention, take things slow. Yeah. And I just woke up and said to my husband, I think that this, this couple might be an issue for us, but we just need to pay attention. And I don't want to like, but we need to be safe. I kid you not. It was it was the quickest storm, but it came to take out our church wow. in its infancy. Wow. And it was one of those ones where you felt like I'm in kindergarten and I'm sitting a test for, you know, grade 12 or whatever. And so mm. <laughs> felt like we were at the start, but the Lord had showed us, this is going to be a quick storm. It is coming. Just gird yourselves and do the right thing and walk through it. So there's been many things like that where, um, God has brought warning and showed us ahead of time, like, Hey, there's going to be a storm, but you're going to be okay. Wow. And so that's just one illustration. <laughs> that's awesome. And, and the thing is, it's not, it's not that people are like malicious and bad. No. It's that, that God knows there are some alignments that aren't supposed to happen. Yes. And so I think sometimes people can get like, well, is it because I'm bad? I'm evil. No, I mean, I think there is evil influence sometimes for sure. That's <laughs> totally. directing and guiding certain individuals. Mm-hmm. But I think for the most part, especially when it comes to community, it's really hard to sometimes separate and being yeah. careful that we don't like judge something or, or not believe the best in someone just yeah. because we don't feel there is a spo- an assignment or an alignment that's supposed to happen. Yeah. And I think that we need to pay attention to those, those nudges because there are people that are better off in other places with, mm-hmm. in, uh, with other people and they totally. just align better and that's okay. And I think there's, there should be freedom in that. And so I love that. I think that's, that's amazing. I did, in your book, you said this statement that, uh, and I want to read it here. 
I thought was was uh, was really good. In the beginning of your opening letter to the reader, you said mm-hmm. friendship, it's complicated for the, the book, friendship, it's complicated, which everyone needs to check out and get. I need to get <laughs> it. I haven't even read it yet. But it says you make the statement. You say this, you say you have come to the conclusion that relationships inform us mm-hmm. and form us. Yeah. Can you can you speak to that a little bit as we Absolutely. talk about this whole subject? Hey, everyone, before we continue on with this interview, I have some exciting news to share with you. The Supernatural Leadership School is now live. The platform has been launched with our very first e-course called the Voice of God module. I would encourage you head over to supernaturalleadership.com and sign up today and begin a brand new supernatural leadership journey. Yeah, that was um that was revelation for me when I realized, wow, like Okay. So think about your family of origin relationship. Just start there. Your mother, your father, lack thereof, and whatever that relationship looked like, it formed you. It formed the way that you thought the way that you viewed the world. It, it also informed you on what was safe and unsafe. And so if you, if you think about that, so think about it just with the mother and father, but then think about that throughout, you know, your primary school, your middle school, your high school years. Think about that. When you go to college, think about that. When you start leading and you're in a job and the relationship ships around you, we're paying attention. We walk into a room and we're going, am I safe? Am I not safe? Can I lead here? Can I speak here? Can I, can, what can I do in this position? So we have to understand that our relationships, they form us, they form the way that we think and they inform us. And this is why a relationship with Jesus is so radical and so powerful because the moment that you repent of your way and your truth and your life, and you follow in the way and the truth and the life and following Jesus, he be begins to form and inform us in the way that we can be and who we are in relationships. So I think that for me has been really a helpful tool that like, even this morning I was just grieving and walking through something. And I realized, wow, like that relationship really did form was, was formative in my life. It was beautiful. Some of the things that we walked through together and the fact that there's a loss in that relationship right now, it's painful, but I've got to allow myself to move through that, to walk in healing, to forgive and let go. And so, so that's a little bit of what that, that statement right there means. I think it's awesome. I, I, you know, thinking about your book and it is complicated. Friendship is complicated complicated you know we mm-hmm. could even add and i'm sure you have a chapter in there like pastoring is complicated relationships are <laughs> marriage is complicated parenting yeah. is complicated uh, in-laws they're complicated yeah the, the thing with pastoring though that i think is like sort of a, a standout is that you're sometimes your your pastor your manager your friend yes. Yes. you're maybe even mentor in a different area of life. like there's so many like messy compartments that yeah. a spiritual leader, let's call it, call it a pastor, has to navigate with, mm-hmm. right? You you try to be all things, yeah, all people, and that's a really hard thing to do, right? And so, mm-hmm. I, I think about your book, and I think about what we're talking about. We're talking about dreams. We're talking about the supernatural. We're talking about really one of the things that stood out to me was like, what does supernatural friendship look like? You know, putting God at the helm. If we're talking about supernatural leadership versus principle-led leadership, well, you know, we're talking about presence-led leadership where Jesus leading Mm -hmm. our lives as the supernatural one, 
he's the priority. So in a friendship, what does that look like? I think there's a model though, in John 15, 15, there's a statement that Jesus makes. He said, I no longer call you servants. Like there's been time. We've spent time together because time is the, always the test for Mm -hmm. deep relationships. Yeah, it is. And then he says, now I call you friends. He says, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but friends, basically they share secrets with friends, like friends Mm -hmm. go deep. And I think one of the ways that really, I think is the litmus test for real friendship is vulnerability. But then in vulnerability, there's betrayal, there's hurt, there's Mm -hmm. a lot more painful, but I think, and I would say this, let me know you think about this. I think that if we're going to learn to navigate how to have supernatural friendships and, and, and weather those storms, well, we first have to know how to navigate our friendship with Jesus, because a lot of people, the way that they treat, treat Jesus is the way they treat their friends in the sense of, Hmm. well, Jesus, you didn't answer my prayer. And so like, I'm out, (laughs) like I'm, I'm ticked off at you. Like, I don't like you right now. God, you didn't do the thing I wanted you to do when I wanted to do it. But we kind of do that also in friendship. Mm -hmm. And then we reject them because they didn't give us what we wanted when we wanted it or thought we needed it. Mm -hmm. But if we can have that solid understanding of friendship with Jesus first, hopefully it spills over into our earthly Mm -hmm. friendships. What do you think about that? Oh my gosh. So many things. My mind just went so many ways, but uh, where I'll start is uh, one of my close few. So I've got, you know, if we want to, if we want to do relationship like Jesus did, and even the way that Jesus is with us, one of my favorite chapters in the book is called circles. No, everybody cannot and should not be your best friend because Jesus even modeled to love us. That. I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Everybody should be your best friend. That's no. true. And, and I think that the reason why we get into those places is, is unmet needs and unspoken expectations. We all have them. And and so we show up in a lot of relationships looking, is this person going to fulfill and meet these needs that I maybe haven't even spoken and I haven't even told them about, but I'm just hoping that they're not going to screw it all up or that I'm going to, you know what I mean? But I look, I look at Jesus and And he had his three that he was vulnerable with, that he invited into spaces and places to, to raise Jairus's daughter from the dead. He kicked out the rest. I would have been the offended, you know, I'm like, I want to be in your inner circle. Um, you know, the, the transformation on the Mount. And also when he was sweating blood and praying, even though they were not being good friends and they were sleeping on him, but still he invited them into those intimate spaces. He had those three. And then he had the 12 that they were his friends too but he was on mission with them. They were, he was raising them up to release them. Then I mean, and, and he even called Judas, his betrayer, a friend. When yes. he came into the garden and kissed him, he's like, friend, like even called them, called the betrayer. When you can call your betrayer's friend, what? That's a spiritual statement. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. That right there. And even the fact that Jesus made room at the table for a betrayer, like that's, that's difficult leadership right there, especially because you can't tr- control anybody you lead or walk with. And I, I mean, yes, like you said, it's like always hope for the best, like see somebody who everyone has dismissed and bring them in. I mean, if it weren't for Barnabas, there would be no Paul. So thank yeah. God that Barnabas didn't be like, those guys killed a lot of people. But I mean, honestly, <laughs> Right. Now we have a lot of the new Testament because of Barnabas and then Paul, you know? So right. anyway, all that to say is just knowing your circles is really important when it comes to friendship and relationship. Cause I think what I did, and I'll just speak from my own, my own journey is that especially pastoring and leading is you do have this, like 
you are vulnerable. You are leading. You are trying to be authentic. You are trying to show people the way you are. And then people feel like they know you at a level that they don't know you and then misconstrue the relationship. And then you're like, I'm no, we're not as close as you think we are. Or, and, and then things break. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, God, how do I stop doing this? How can I live like Jesus did in his relationship? So that's been a fine tuning thing that I've been learning over time. But one of my three, I would say her name is Irene Rollins and she is a dear, dear friend. And she always says this statement. She see, she says, be authentic with the many and vulnerable with a few. Wow. Be authentic with the many and vulnerable with the few. So she's really shown me, Hey, Andy, show up as your true self, wherever you are, but vulnerability and those deep spaces, those, those vulnerable spaces, um, that's really only for a few people. It's not for like vulnerable post hashtag on social media. It's not for, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. Gosh, no wonder our hearts are crushed. Like we're sharing the most deepest parts of our souls before they're healed with the world and asking them to comment on it. I'm like, guys, this is not healthy. And so I think there are many ways that we do that. And what does Jesus show us? I mean, Jesus came into the most intimate of spaces with us and, and he drew us near. Honestly, I think when you are, the more intimate you are with Jesus, the healthier you will have in all of your relationships. So. Absolutely. That's amazing. Let me, let me go a little bit deeper here on you. I know that you are authentic. One of the things I was going to say about you in the beginning is that you do have an authenticity about you that I think is just an amazing aspect of your, of your leadership. And this book probably, like I said, I haven't read it yet, but even just reading some of the experts at the beginning, yeah. it feels really authentically vulnerable, yeah. which is awesome, which is also hard in writing because once it's in writing, it's in writing, like whatever you said in the book, yes. like it's out there, it's done. You can't ever <laughs> take that back. You know, there's no mm -hmm. returning. So I have a question though, because, you know, as somebody that, you know, you've, you've navigated these waters, you're still navigating. We never stopped navigating yeah. the pain yeah. of relationships. So what's one of the ways that you, where you, you know, you've been vulnerable, somebody you've had friendship, you've opened up deeply. And then let's say something happens. And like you said, yeah. takes two to tango, you know, maybe, <laughs> There was a part on your end, a part on their end, or maybe it was all on their end. I don't know. But yeah. what what is what would you say to the listeners here that have said, I've been hurt, I opened myself up, I'll never open myself up again. Like I'll yeah. never trust again. And I'm sure you've had moments. We've all had moments yeah. where we thought those thoughts, maybe even lived out those thoughts for a season and realized it's actually damaging us. Yes. How, how have you navigated those things? Like what are some practical keys, takeaways? guidance for those people that would say I've been hurt. I'll never trust again. That's really good. I think another revelation that I had, cause I'm really good at self-preserving. We all are in different ways. It's our, that's that human nature part that we have to submit to Christ on the daily, but self-preservation is willfully choosing the pain of isolation over the potential of messy, godly connection, because here's the wow. deal. Godly connection is going to be messy, even the best of it. And, and the, the truth is, is when we choose to self-preserve instead, there's a pain that comes with that, that really, we just end up being sad and lonely and wishing it's like, why aren't people reaching out to me? Why? It's like, well, wait a sec. We chose self-preservation we chose, but also it's, wow. it gets blurry though too. Right. So if you have pain that's unhealed and you haven't done the work yet in those certain areas, you are going to naturally self-preserve and, um, and put walls up. So there's this one progression. And I actually didn't put this in my book. It was after I had gone down to this beautiful place in Colorado and did an intensive counseling for two weeks. And, um, 
And it was spirit filled counseling is so, so powerful, but there was this progression. And I want to give this to everybody, because if you're listening or watching this, this is something you can do on the daily with God or when wounding or hurt comes. And so the, the progression is this it's wounds, lies, false beliefs, strongholds, vows, and false self. And so let me just walk you through that because we live in the now, but not yet. We live on planet earth where Jesus has come to restore and recover all of the losses to, to redeem our lives, but we still live where the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. So therefore wounding will come. And usually wounding comes in relationship. Again, like you said, it's not like someone's your arch nemesis. They usually don't know they're hurting you. Some people do. Um, but with that wounding, you have to, what ends up happening when we're wounded, a lie comes in. That's where the enemy loves to perch is when there's a crack in the door, when there's a wound and he'll lie to us. And then often what we do with that lie is we attach to it, even though that the Holy spirit would love to tell us the truth too, but we'll grab onto the lie. And what that lie becomes is a false belief system. It becomes like a groove in your brain. It becomes a pattern and a way of thinking and living. So you're operating from this false belief system. And because of that false belief system, and there's no truth or love in it, we begin to set up strongholds around ourselves. And those strongholds can be anything. It can be control and manipulation. It can be rage and anger. It can be isolation. It can be anything. And so we set up these strongholds when Jesus is our strong tower. He is the one that we are meant to run to. He's our protector, but we protect ourselves. And then from behind that little strongholds, what we do is we start to make vows. Like you just said, the, I will never trust anybody again. I'll never trust the church again. I'll never trust men again. I'll never trust women again. And from behind there, then we do have to emerge out onto planet earth and live, but we're walking around as our false self, wondering where we fit and belong. It's really difficult to have relationships when we're living like that. So what do we have to do? We have to unravel that. And we can do that in our time with Jesus, where we just sit there and go, God, I was wounded today. I was wounded this morning. I was wounded. Lord, what is the lie that I believe because of that wound? And then listen to the Holy spirit and then go, what is the truth you want to give me in place of that lie and write it down. And then from there go, okay, so what is the, um, wounds like, what's the false belief? What's the false belief that I have been operating from that has caused me to make decisions in my life that have led me down paths that I never wanted to go, but it's a false belief that I adopted. God, what is a true belief that I can start to walk in and same thing with the strongholds. It's like, God, what if I, that anger, that rage, whatever you've been self-protecting with, we need to repent. Even if it's on the daily, God, I repent of walking in unforgiveness. I repent of anger. I repent of isolation. And then the vows, we actually have to, um, we have to renounce the vows. So I renounce the vow that I can never trust anybody again. I will get hurt again but I renounce the vow that I can never trust anybody again, or whatever that looks like. And then you'll find that even though you may be limping into new relationships or the relationships that you're in, that you are operating as your authentic self, but you have to do that work on the daily. And so I know all of us over the last two years, listen, we have all walked through breaking in relationships and friendships that maybe we never thought we would. And there's wounding and there's lies and false beliefs that we have to unravel and do the work and allow the Holy spirit to heal us. in, so that we can show up healthy and whole to our relationships. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, you speak about vows. I think so many of us make inner vows and don't realize we make the vows. I remember I was sharing all the time and I was sharing somebody the other day, actually about in the beginning of my church leadership journey, leading a community. Um, And that really, like as the senior leader, that really began in 2012. Leading up to that, 
you know, I'd been an itinerant traveling around the world, had amazing experiences being an itinerant, as you know, is very different than leading a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, being both, you get to kind of get a really a balanced perspective of when you are itinerant going into a church, you actually do have a different perspective than if you're mm-hmm. just only an itinerant communicator. And so I, uh, I remember in the beginning though, before the church became a huge part of our ministry, um, I'd get around older leaders and, you know, I'd hear their bitterness and I'd hear their vulnerability. And I had the opportunity to be in the green room with a lot of well-respected people that at one point I was like, I want to be like them, you know, and, Mm. and like they were inspiring. And then I get around them and I would just feel their brokenness and I'd feel the, the pain and the, sometimes like it was a good brokenness. Sometimes it was a jaded, tarnished, you know, brokenness where Mm -hmm. they, they couldn't trust again. And I would say, I'll never, I'll never experience that. I actually thought I made an inner vow. I I didn't realize this till later on. Wow. I actually thought at one point in my leadership journey, I was untouchable. I'm like, I'm never going to have that. That's never going to be me. (laughs) It's like what Peter said, I'll never deny you. It's like a vow, right? I'll never deny you. Uh And And so I actually made this inner vow. I didn't know it was a vow, but I made this. I'm untouchable. I'll never experience that. Like I am way too close with God. There's no way that's ever going to happen to me. I'm like a, you know, things will just bounce off of me. And then, you know, you get into thrown into like, let's say church leadership. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And then you realize two years in, three years in, seven years in, you know, 10 years in, 12 years in that you are no different and you're Mm -hmm. human. Yeah. You're spirit first, but you're human. You have humanity and you're going to have to navigate these waters. Mm -hmm. And especially when it comes to friendship. And so I realized over the years, I like, I probably made it a little bit of an interval that I had to kind of like repent of and redirect and be like, Hey, you know, God, I'm never going to say never again. Like Peter did. <laughs> learn my lesson from Peter, never say never, you know? And so yeah. I love what you say about that. Give us, give us, as we close here, give us um, the listeners, like a little bit of an activation. What can, you know, with all the, I love the last part of what you just said, all the different mm-hmm. things that you mentioned, what can listeners do either one that have had troubled relationships and that are on a journey, Mm -hmm. especially leaders in the marketplace. Like we're talking about like business leaders, people in many different, like high levels of influence that have had to navigate major betrayal, major disappointment. Um, Mm -hmm. And then those that just have had fractured friendships. Like what would you say to those in the next seven days, next 21 days that they can do, to kind of just reposition their heart a little bit to trust again and rebuild some of those or new rebuild new friendships or rebuild the old ones. Yeah, that's really good. I think um, the first thing I would do is when in your time with God, do that, do the activation I just gave you the wounds, lies, false beliefs, um, vows, stronghold or strongholds, vows and uh, false self, and just do that work. So that's something you can do every day. But I would say um, to, you know, business leaders and leaders in the church, the, the wild thing is about leadership is that even though you're broken and hurting is that you have to keep leading and people don't know, and you don't get to share that with everybody. And, and they all have an expectation. They're like, do better, be better. And you're like, I'm trying. Um, so <laughs> I really am. Um, but I would say there's a couple of different things. Um, 
for me, know, know where you're really at, be self-aware and go, gosh, do I need help? Do I need to reach out to someone? And that can be anything from just within that vulnerable group of, of two or three that you have And also recognize if you don't have a small group of people that you can be vulnerable with, I would say, whoa, look, lift up your eyes and see, are there people around me that I can cultivate, begin to cultivate relationship with? Cause again, it's take time to trust and to build that out and, and all of that, but you're going to need people along the journey that just love you for who you are. My best friend of 20 plus years knew me has known me forever, um, longer than my husband. And you know, those people are the people that they don't care what you do or what you don't do. They are just your friends. And so, um, you got to make sure that you're intentional with those relationships. So th- and the other thing about being self-aware where you're at, do you need counseling? Do you need prayer ministry? Do you need something like that? I would say if it's something where you keep feeling a nudge, like you need to go get some help and you haven't done it within the seven days, I would say, give yourself a deadline to reach out somewhere. I will share that. Um, I know that you probably have listeners everywhere in Canada and outside of Canada. If you're in the United States or you're able, able to come here now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you've been vaccinated, you can come. <laughs> okay. But we, there's a place that I went to in Buena Vista, Colorado, and it's called crossroads counseling. And it, it was an intensive and it was phenomenal, but there's many other places. If you're just going, I need some spirit filled help, but also to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, um, that as well. Um, and so those would be the things. And I would say just one more thing would be stop waiting for someone else to make the first move when it comes to friendship or rebuilding yes, or that's good. Um, starting a new, cause I, right. I think a lot of times what we're doing is going, well, I don't have the gift of hospitality. I don't know how to like what to do. Who cares? Be yourself and invite people over. I don't have the gift of hospitality either. I invite people over and say, make yourself at home, like open my fridge, do whatever you want. I may or may not bake for you, or I'll probably just order food. Like it doesn't matter, but go first and, and get good at doing that instead of honestly sitting back and waiting for someone else to come to you, begin to cultivate what you can cultivate around you. That's awesome. That's super awesome, Andy. Thank you so much. Where do uh, we buy and listeners buy your book? What do you mm-hmm. recommend? We'll put the, the link in the description, but where do we go to buy your book? I mean, you can go to Amazon. It's just kind of, it's wherever books are sold, but yeah, you can definitely go to Amazon. And if you want to go to my website, you can, that's got more like free resources than all my other books. That's just andyandrew.com. But andyandrew.com. Everybody listen to that. Follow her on social media. She has amazing content and she's always releasing new things and check out the podcast coffee with Andy. Definitely subscribe. I'm assuming it's available on all podcast platforms. Yeah. That's it is. Awesome. And just, just so everyone knows I'm on a little hiatus at the moment, trying to figure out what to do in the next season, but there's plenty of seasons to listen to. <laughs> awesome. So you heard that. So yeah, make sure you get our book. You guys, I know we didn't dive in super deep to her book content, but we did scratch the surface. And if you want to go deeper, I would recommend you read that book. I know that I'm going to get it as soon as I can. And uh, I know it will really, really help shape the next season of your friendships. And so thank you so Andy. Thank you so much, Andy, for coming on this show with me and having a chat. Can't wait to have you on again. And thank you to all the listeners out there for joining again, the Supernatural Leadership Podcast, helping your leadership become a little more supernatural. See you next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. 
If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.